Apollo table, activate. Pretty tricky, right? I couldn't even find the on button. Welcome back, Marvel fans, to the Raft MCU podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about episode 9 of season 5 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. entitled Best Laid Plans. But before we do that, I'm your host, Tyler Zobel. This is my co host, William Miller. Hello. Will, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm not sick anymore with the flu, so I'm doing okay. <laughs> Back to um, a solid neutral. Pretty, pretty darn. Let's do this. Uh, do you have any Marvel news? Uh, yes, I have to fix a mistake from last episode. We forgot to mention that uh-huh. Spider-Man was still number yes. one. Yes. And and Hawkeye was also number one last week. And I've, I've heard this this week that Spider-Man is number one, and apparently Hawkeye is also still number one. I have also heard that for this week as well. Madness. Insane. Uh, do you have any other news, or was that... That's usually your last bit of news is who's the best this week. It's kind of a running thing you have. Yeah, but I had I had to retcon or, or fix a mistake from last That's week. That's true. So, uh, so do you have other news? Yeah, the early reviews for uh, Black Panther are not... They can't call them reviews, but they can call them impressions are, are very uh-huh. positive. I've seen some positive impressions, and then I was like, i got to go see the Rotten Tomatoes score, and there is none because... I'm right. guessing they're not reviews yet. Yeah, no one's allowed to review it for another like week or two officially. Yeah. They can I just... believe in the I believe in the business that's called an embargo. Yes. That sounds right. <laughs> it at least sounds legally. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I think uh, I think in the the critic review world, if you're waiting to repost your review um, because of some sort of time lock information, it's called an embargo. Hmm. At least in the video games industry it is, because uh, I've heard video game journalists talk about uh, embargoed reviews they have waiting to post. Okay, then yeah. Probably well, that's me being it smart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then also, Kevin Feige's contract with uh, Marvel is coming up soon, like in the next few years. Hmm. Probably near or at the end of like the uh, Avengers arc and so either he's going to re-up for a bajillion more dollars because they're probably going to get the x-men and are going to need someone to control things uh or he he might be moving on to something new i only see him moving on if he wants to right he 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 wants to stay they want him to stay (laughs) you know right but i mean like yeah that's probably true uh, but he has been doing Marvel stuff since the '90s. Like he was, he was doing the original like X Men and Hulk and oh. and Spider Man. Uh, well, he was helping with that. I mean, again, unless I think unless he wants to leave, no one's gonna tell him not to, because he's created a gazillion dollar monster. <laughs> and it's not stopping, as far as anybody can tell. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting though. Um, what do you guys? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is news to me. Uh, I don't know who this actress is, but um, it says here. This is my normal go-to image and clip-based news feed on Tumblr. Um, Joanne Wally, who's an actress I do not know, 
uh, will portray Sister Maggie in season three of Marvel's Daredevil. This has some light spoilers for that season, by the way. Uh, light, because we, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, Sister Maggie is a strong-willed nun who cares about Matt Murdock's safety in the comics, I'm guessing, is where they're getting that. Um, Wally joins a returning cast of Charlie Cox, who's Matt Murdock, Deborah Ann Wall, who's Karen Page, Eldon Henson, who's Foggy, and Vincent D'Onofrio, who is Fisk. Ooh, good. I, I wanted yeah. that, the Fisk that was in, uh, the jail uh, yeah. in that one episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want that fist. Well, yeah, to they have to. They have stuff. to have the ri- like full kingpin, right? In full kingpin mode, and they haven't done that yet. They've had him in like prison mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's probably gonna be the main villain um, because they're over the kind of the hump of um, defenders now. Yeah, and it seems like he's kind of an outstanding threat who they haven't really tapped with kind of his new deal mm-hmm. yet. Uh, all right. Other huge news. Uh, well, that wasn't huge news, but it was news. Um, other huge news. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp trailer. Was uh, not expecting it to drop. Yes. Uh, did you watch it? I, I did. I, I really liked it. It looks really fun. Um, it looks like it has a similar tone as the last one, but like the action looks way better. Um, and the thing that struck... out First of all, just go watch it. It's really cool. But second of all, the thing that struck me... Um, is instead of it just being a lot of CGI tiny fights, which were good, um, there's more of that. <laughs> but there seems to be a lot of more f- having fun with this the size of other stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of that in the first one, but usually in the context of like a big small fist fight. But here there's like a car chase scene where that car they're in gets smaller and then drives under another car and like flips it over. And um, By getting big underneath it. By getting big underneath it, yeah. yeah. So I like that idea. They shrink a whole building and then like throw it in the back of a truck, mm-hmm. um, and it's very silly. But that's kind of the whole show. Uh, that's that was the first movie. But but I like them kind of applying the the shrinking little. It looks like they maybe have some sort of gun now instead of throwing those little discs. I'm not sure. But the little discs they did it in a Civil War, in big, making like the truck grow big in midair and explode. Um, so that could be fun. Uh, the wasp looks really cool, um, flying around and stuff. Uh, another thing I want to point out that I'm actually really happy about is the plot seems to acknowledge kind of a thing that confused me in Civil War. But it looks like whoever grabbed this movie kind of took that confusion and just like made that the plot, which is that um, they get Scott Lang in that movie to do a crime because he's working for Cap's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though he kind of got his name pardoned in his own movie. Um, and he's just okay with it. And in this movie, uh, Pym and uh, whatever, Van Dyne, or no, that's other lady. Uh, whatever this lady's name is. <laughs> Kate from Lost. Kate from Lost, uh, the Wasp. Um, they're mad at him for doing that. They're mad at him for going to the Civil War thing because now they're all wanted for that. Mm-hmm. Because he obviously just got broken out of the raft prison. Hey, um, at the end of that movie. So I like that it acknowledged that and it also has a, some clips from Civil War at the beginning. So that's cool. And it's also like a, another being chased by the cops uh, kind of plot. So yeah, that's fun. And also, uh, one thing that I noticed is that there was zero Ant-Man fighting in that trailer. That's true. It was it's only, just the Wasp. It was stuff. only the Wasp, which yeah. I feel like would work a lot. Like, the first, the first one was definitely good, but... Paul Rudd had to be 
quirky and fun, but also had to be like serious. I'm going to fight you. Right. Uh, and so if they just if they let the wasp be the serious cool fighter and just let right. Paul Rudd be essentially the sidekick, I uh-huh. feel like that would uh, make make this a lot better. Yeah, and, and the way he fights in the first one is he, because he's the only one fighting. He kind of has to be good and like efficient, mm-hmm. so he is. And they explain it by training and whatever. But in Civil War, he's the funny fighter right. because he's like jumping into people's suits and just like pulling wires out of crap and then you know he turns giant and it's like really awkward mm-hmm. um so i i liked that there is there is him becoming giant man again in this uh so there's more of that oh also um, one th- and that seems to be his one thing that she can't do i would assume it's get big is become giant man yes huh. um i i don't know that but i mean she has flight and some sort of shooting devices and is just good at stuff uh so and when he has to probably rely on the ants to fly around if he mm-hmm. needs to fly, and things like that. Um, I'm guessing he's the only one with giant man because he's done it before, and that I, seemed to be like a thing they experimented with once. I feel like uh, though she could just hit herself with one of those big discs, and uh... that's tr- my guess is that's like very dangerous because he says in Civil War he nearly tears himself in half. Mm. So, <laughs> and he has like a special like arm gauntlet that like he has to activate in order to do it. Okay. Um, despite having the discs on him, he can't just do that. Um, there's there's also water. one scene where they shrink a building, and mm-hmm. then like take it away. But the building was on wheels and had like a roller uh-huh. thing handle <laughs> attached to it. Does that mean when yeah. the building is full size that there is a proportionally full size giant, giant handle <laughs> and giant wheels on the it building? Does. Okay. It does. That's all I could think um, about when I saw that trailer. The thing with him engineering, though, is he can p- add stuff onto things at any size. Because he builds those little ant backpacks in real size, and then he shrinks them down. Mm-hmm. So he could have built an entire building with some you know, space for wheels, shrunk it, put normal wheels on, and then grew it big again. <laughs> so it has like suitcase wheels and a normal suitcase handle that are just giant on a full-size building. Um, is okay. my theory of how that came to be. Anyway, it, it's a really fun trailer. I ho- it, it looks like a great movie. I'm excited for it. Um, one more news. There's more Jessica Jones pictures, of course. Uh, but some of them that are notable are... Um, more than a dumpster? More than a dumpster, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Wildcat, whatever the heck her friend's name is. Uh, Trish has a gun. Wait, her name is tunes. Wildcat? She has an alter ego? That's not Wildcat. It's oh. like Hellcat. She, yeah, she, she has a superhero name. Uh, it's mm. dumb. And I'm guessing they're not really going to go there. Uh, she has a gun. Um, Jessica, it looks like she's in the Alias Investigations office, but she's on, like, either it's a new office or she's on the wrong side of the table because the door's behind her and there's just, like, a wall of papers. So I'm not sure if that's a new location. That's interesting, though. Um, what's her buddy's name again? Malcolm. Been me about this. Malcolm, yeah. And I forget. Holly just watched Jessica Jones because she had it. And then because of that, she just watched Luke Cage. And then she was watching Defenders again. Uh, like back to back because she's crazy. Did she uh, like either of those? Oh, she loved Jessica Jones. Um, uh, I thought because she... she can't not. All right. See, this kind of annoys me because we were talking about how good it was. And she didn't want to watch it because she didn't think she was going to like it. Uh, if she didn't like it, it's because it's, like, really intense. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like the violence in Daredevil, so, you know. 
even though she loves Daredevil, but she doesn't like the, the super hyper violent parts. And the opening of that, the first she watched the first episode with me and bounced off it a bit, and then waited for a long time later to watch all of it mm-hmm. on her own time, which is how she does things anyway, usually. But um, because the first episode, that girl just like kills her whole family and stuff. Oh yeah, uh, it's really dark. Uh, so I think that wasn't she wasn't keen on it because she knew it would be very heavy. I think is why she was like waiting. To like be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, there's another picture of uh, Trish with the gun in the street, looking shocked. With Malcolm looking shocked, who does not have a gun because he's Malcolm. He doesn't have guns, but um, they're you know in on it this time. Whatever's going on. And then there's another one of Jessica in prison or a jail. It looks like she's getting her one phone call, but she has like wrist manacles that are going down to a chain belt that has a chain going down. I'm guessing to her feet. Hmm. So, Jessica's in trouble again. That's all I got for news. That was a lot of news, but, I mean, it was good news. It was good news. All Um, good news. All good news. Yeah, I'm real excited for Black Panther. Also, Dang. Yep. All right. Let's give us a a 10-second recap of Best Laid Plans. The resistance is going well. All the humans band together to stop Kazias from being Kasiasy, and the uh, people on the ship on the bird get the bird towards the lighthouse. Woohoo! I, I watched this and I was like, "This is a good episode." I'm gonna remember all these parts. Then I didn't. So there's probably <laughs> gonna be a lot of parts I liked that were small that I'm just gonna forget were in there, which is sad because I liked them um, um, during this episode. I looked up who the screenwriter was because I was like, man, there are so many really bad jokes in this episode. It, it feels like a weed-in episode. So I thought either Josh or oh. Jed had written it. Uh-huh. Uh, neither of them did, but it, okay. there was far too much really bad humor in this episode. Uh, none of it was terrible for me, uh, but I don't remember enough of them here's, i think they i was okay with them for some reason here's the thing they're all on the same level of like uh that wasn't good but every time someone makes a joke and i go uh it gets a little bit louder every time it's just like uh the first time and then by the end i was just like uh uh what's his name just one-liners the whole thing through um chronicom boy yep <laughs> the robot guy robot alien guy yeah he just does one-liners the whole time uh, i noticed that yeah, and May has like hate his one-liners, three or four. Yeah. I think the only ones that were okay was Daisy talking about the mom face. Oh, that was great because everybody knows May is the mom and she has been since season one. Right. So acknowledging it now felt good. Well, and then they did it kind of seriously in the last episode where she's literally like a surrogate mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they kind of had fun with it this time. Yep. Which is what Daisy would do. They've been, they lived on a bus, they lived on a plane together for months. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, there's more humor in this one. I think that I liked it after kind of just like a, a last episode, just a lot of explaining stuff mm-hmm. and being serious, which I kind of bounced off of. Um, that said, I liked the episode a lot. I thought there was like some good action and uh, stuff happening. Um, and they kind of got into potentially um, what how the time thing works makes more sense to me now. Yeah, it was, it was kind of what, we, I can, what you had theorized. It was kind of a combination episode. of both, I want to say. I'm not sure. I'm still not sure that that one flashback we saw where um, she's being a mom and they're in the apocalypse 
uh, and Fitz is angry, isn't like real time, like they live through the explosion after going back? I'm still not sure because I don't know why the little girl's young in there. Yeah, so they went back and they lived through the explosion. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of what we both said. Because <laughs> I said that's a timeline that didn't happen because they jumped, but it's actually a thing where they go back in time and then live through the explosion anyway. Mm hmm. So that's kind of a combination of what you said and what I said. I think <clears throat> maybe. Um, yeah, so that's apparent now. Uh, where they, the tech came from kind of makes sense now because they went back, lived through the explosion, and then built all that stuff, mm -hmm. um, which makes sense. Yeah. And that also explains why they're hanging out at the lighthouse all the time. It's because like they know to be there because that's where they already have been. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I also liked... Uh, so they 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 hinted they've given them some Easter eggs out about possible um, other things that happened in the in the past or in the alternate version or whatever um, because Cassius knew who Yo Yo was and yes I liked that I noticed that after I was thinking trying to figure out the timeline I was like oh because he, she's in the hallways in that and he was. Right. He's not only is she in the hallways, but the last when we in the flashback, the last time we see her is her getting in an elevator with like a sword knife gun thing, and Cassius. Oh, remember that. Cassius has really big uh, cuts on his cheeks, uh, scars, and so I'm guessing in the past Yo Yo uh, scarred him, and then he probably. I thought he got one of those cuts in an episode. Uh, did he? The one on the left side. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because there's a scene of them, like, touching up his makeup. Holly pointed out that she thinks, because of that scene... Because there's a scene where he gets a he gets a cut on his face, and there's also, like, a darker blue mark all around it. And I was confused about what was going on there, if it was just a weird makeup flub. But Holly thinks, and it makes sense to me, that they're all the same tone of blue, but his, his girlfriend's lighter white eyes and his white, lighter white face is makeup mm. that he is putting on, like fancy blue person makeup uh, and then the kind of circles around his eyes are like his normal skin tone so when he gets kind of slashed or whatever happens to his face um it rubs it off okay. and then it gets reapplied uh, i think that's what she was saying and i uh, that would kind of make sense um because they're kind of these aristocratic people um mm -hmm. and that would explain the weird uh you know face formations that no one else really has yeah and he does like putting gold makeup on his servants so he does yeah and yeah there's a lot of fancy fancying up going on mm -hmm. um uh yeah so um do you have any i mean we're kind of in little thoughts already but do you have kind of a chunk you want to go through um i don't really have a chunk i just uh there were a few elements that i enjoyed like little easter egg stuff like that him knowing mm -hmm. who yo-yo was and mm -hmm. uh but then there was also things that which just felt odd, like uh, Mac and Yo-Yo now suddenly having this conflict over should Flint fight, which yeah. felt like it came out of nowhere, and like Yo-Yo was like super hardcore yes fight, and Mac was super hardcore not fight, which I feel like they're both pretty reasonable characters most of the time. He is. I feel like he'd be reasonable enough to be like, okay. I feel like she's pretty fierce, so she would be like, yes fight. Okay. Her being yeah. all, her being 100% yes fight makes sense. Him being totally against it is like, okay. Part of this season has a problem of 
what the show um, Samurai Jack has, <laughs> which is there's num- a number of episodes where Jack has a chance to go back to the past where he needs to go, but he does it in order to save somebody, despite the fact that if he goes back to the past and does what he needs to do, this person won't exist or he'll be <laughs> fine, um, and he doesn't really get it, which uh-huh. makes sense because he's an a old-timey guy. But that happens a lot in this season where they're trying to save people or fix situations in the present when really if they just got back to the past, they wouldn't need to do it, mm-hmm. at least if they do what they're supposed to do. So them worrying so much about Flint is like, come on, guys, you have to start start thinking fourth dimensionally, <laughs> and um, you know, just let him. Even if he dies, you could save his life. Kind yeah, of. Uh, yeah. It's or he might sa- never be born. It's the same reason <laughs> that they had to fix everything in the framework and start a revolution before they left. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's just yeah. like, this this might not be real at all if you succeed. Um. Yeah. So that's the thing. Um, uh, do you have any other small thoughts besides that one that you wanted to get out there? Because I got a couple. No, you go for yours. Okay. Um, um, I liked that they attempted, even if it was for just a very short time, like a zero gravity fight. Mm, yeah. Uh, it was basically just a couple hits, and then gravity came back. But it was it was fun, and it was uh, you know, hey, they're trying stuff. It was different. They're trying yeah. to, yeah, they're trying to make a space show on a very tight budget, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I liked it. Um, it was fun. Uh, I liked the fight in general. I didn't like that the metal balls conveniently were not present. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about too. <laughs> uh, yeah, my other thought was if you trapped each ball in a discreet large metal box um it would make them a lot less lethal <laughs> because it would just kind of have to smash the boxes into you which would you know make them a less bullety yeah and they if you um, made the box small like small enough that they wouldn't be able to build up the momentum to smash through the box right yeah which is kind of fling a, a box awkwardly around a room, like mm-hmm. a weird physics object um uh, another, I have a few, they're not big gripes, they're more kind of funny gripes. Um, I did like the scene where that, it's, I think it's the opening scene, where they trap the two blue guys, it's one of the opening scenes, where they trap the two blue, they lure them down the hall and then shoot the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they just kind of shot, shot the crap out of them. Uh, I was expecting them to just shoot them a ton with guns. Um, I was expecting something like a tripwire or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of funny. Um, that said, I thought it was funny that Flint was like, come on, give me a gun, when he literally shot a man <laughs> with a rock with his, just with his own mind. With, like, pebbles. Uh, it wasn't even, right. like, a giant rock. <laughs> like, two episodes ago. Yeah. He is, he is a gun. Uh, I don't know why he needs them. Yeah. Um, that was kind of funny to me. Uh, oh, what else was there? I'm trying to remember. Uh... I don't know. It, 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 it was a good episode. Did, um, did you realize that the like one human resistance fighter that they kept coming back to was the guy that they almost kidnapped as a baby? Who was that? Yes, they did. They kind of introduced like a a relatable human guy. Yeah, I uh, I was wondering why they were putting. In, I did not remember that at all. Uh, they gave uh, him a name once. Did they? I thought the first time. Yeah, his name is Gunner. Because oh, he's yeah. the guy who is chased down the halls, and they're like, "Can I have a guy named Gunner or Gun?" <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but, like, he was kind of like they kept leaning into him, and I was just like, "Why do they care so much about this?" And then they had that like one shot at the end where he goes to a baby, and I was like, "Oh, right. yeah, he may have been in another episode." Okay, he wasn't. <laughs> it was oh, just really? this one. Oh, okay. It was just this one. But he, I think he was there like three. What is it? The rule of threes thing. Like you introduce him. He's he's our our empathy be our connection point with the resistance characters. Mm. Because, you know, he just wants to fight, and then we see him fighting, and then he's got a family. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it seemed like. I don't think he's been in an episode four. Okay. Um, I am all sudden that you've convinced me. I mean, you didn't really have to. Uh, but it does really make sense that Deke might be... What's his, their name's kid? Oh, Fitzsimmons? Yeah. Except that he doesn't recognize him. Right, and you would you would think he has anyone else. some type of accent or something. Yeah, that oh yeah, that's actually super true. Um, so, yeah. but also the fact that um, ooh, what if he? Well, no, he's not Asian looking enough. The fact, say, what if it's like a Phil and May thing, which would be bad. That would be terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> the fact that he, his dad was like, no, I can't trust you with this rock, when he was younger would totally yeah. make sense because Fitz would right. know that he's a bad guy until they come. Right. Well, and he has like a drug ring. He has a drug f- like selling joint that is the framework. Mm, I forgot about that already. Yeah, like he's very good with technology and it's a lot of the technology they've used before. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that would point to that, but the fact that again that like no one else really is like, "Wow, you look familiar." Um Cassius hung out with them both and didn't recognize them. And I feel like if they were there that long, someone would. Um, Maybe making gravitonium spaceships warped Fitz's face. <laughs> warped his face. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, I liked how they brought that in. Uh, I liked when they were kind of explaining the spaceship. Um, one, another tiny, tiny, it's not a real gripe, but they just wait. They wait to turn on the RCS system like the space thrusters mm-hmm. until after they're like hold hold and they're like crashing and like flying through a bunch of stuff and then they flick them on i don't know why they wait they they had a line <laughs> explaining it uh, they did okay yeah it i'm was, content with science one-liners it was like something about the lines of along the lines of if they did it in the atmosphere then the oxygen would just blow them up Oh. Or something like that, Maybe. possibly. But yeah. they they made it they made it implied that they had to be out of the atmosphere before they could. Um, turn Speaking it of oxygen blowing up, like they 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 explained that the pipes next to the bombs that they diffuse in this episode uh, are pipes of pure oxygen, which is why they would super burn everybody alive. Mm-hmm. But like real bombs don't like the air on fire for more than just like the distance of the explosion, right? Like. Well, but if like, the entire station is filled with pure oxygen, right? Then, right, well, which makes sense. Which would mean that no one is allowed to cook anything ever, and right. no sparks are ever made. <laughs> and that's not true. Or it's just that, like, because they're next to those pipes, it would make all the pipes explode or mm. something. Yeah, yeah. Because the pipes are pure oxygen. I, I mean, I'm guessing they're not breathing pure oxygen. Look at their cruddy place. <laughs> Everybody would um, be so high. Uh, yeah, and they would feel great, probably. Yeah. Um, and they don't seem to feel that great. Uh, yeah, but I mean, again, like, 
I, I don't know what the explanation for the thrusters was, but if it was also pure oxygen, yeah, I don't know. I feel like in movies people are like, oh, the air will, there's oxygen everywhere, it will explode, but like that's not how things happen, really. I don't know. I'm not, the combustion of oxygen via flint heat is, is a confusing thing to me because how does it not all just explode? Did you ever see the movie uh, <laughs> about about lobbying with uh, Aaron Eichner, or not Aaron Eichner, uh, Two-Face from The Dark Knight? Uh, Eckhart? Eckhart. Eck- Eckhart? Thank, thank yeah. you for smoking, is what it was called. Yes, yeah, I'm aware of it. I haven't seen it. It's very good, uh, but they have, like, one scene where they're trying to make cigarettes more appealing, and they're gonna, like, do brand integration inside this movie that they're that some company's producing, and it takes place in outer space, and Aaron, Aaron, Eck, uh, what's his name? I think Eckert? it's Eckhart or Eckert. Yeah, Aaron Eckert is like, well, wouldn't smoking in the pure oxygen environment be bad? And the producer's like, yeah, we'll just throw in some line about like, oh, I'm so glad they added this uh, filtration system to let us smoke in here, <laughs> or something like that. And he's like, oh, that's nice. solid, that's solid. <laughs> nice. Anyways, that's what this conversation reminds how, me that's of. That's how this show works. You're right. One line, all you need. Yeah, um, I liked what they did with the bombs. Uh, considering one took an hour to take off and they had like 10 of them, uh, I'm not sure how they got them all off. They had uh, humans on every level working together. Yeah, seems very uplifting that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked his shield wall trick, that was cool. His shield uh, wall? Uh, the bad guy. Oh, Kasai's. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where she tries to run at him, and it's like, yeah, of course he wouldn't just come down here himself unless he had some sort of thing. And I like that they established, like, you see these two guys with these staves, and you're uh-huh. like, oh, they're guards. But they have, like, this cool uh, field generating that thing. reminded me so much of Stargate SG-1, because all of the bad guys have, have used staffs as weapons, yeah. and all of the big bad guys have personal shields that, like, People try to shoot oh. into or run into all the time. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't just shoot them with one bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I liked that. Uh, and the... I mean, it, it was TV CGI, but I liked with that when the bomb went off, we got to see from his perspective, like, the fire going past. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was cool. Yeah. Um, and then everybody sh- pulled a Batman. Sh- they were just gone in the smoke. Yeah, they just disappeared. <laughs> And then, like, they did a weird camera shake thing when he screamed. Oh, when he screamed, yeah. <laughs> Where they're just like, yeah. I liked it. It was effective, but it was just like, like hmm, that's weird. If the bad guys would have walked to the corner and just looked, they would have seen all of them standing in front of the ele- <laughs> in front of the elevator waiting, <laughs> just pushing the down button. <laughs> yeah, go 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 go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh. Also, didn't that whole floor like explode out into space? Yeah. So I think I think what happened was they took all the explosion explosives and put them on the level where all of the, the inhuman research was happening. And so oh right, they I, weren't in that cart. So that cart think, was a different explosive thing. Right. So I think the guy blew up those like levels that he was using. You're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I forgot my because there's two bo- there's like a bunch of pipe bombs on the thing they have right and then yeah I forgot that they were different uh, my thought was like hide one of his bombs in his own stuff and then give it back to him <laughs> <laughs> blow himself up but yeah uh, anyway um uh Kasias continues to just be like 
good, a pretty good villain. Like he's not he's not disappointing me in any film this way. He's doing a good job being mm-hmm. bad. Uh, I like that they kind of point out that he talks very dramatically, like <laughs> multiple times in this episode, which is the thing I've kind of mentioned on and off. Uh, and they say it a couple of times in this where like he just talks very dramatic and like, uh, and they kind of make fun of him, which mm-hmm. I appreciate it. And that was kind of my point about it, them being kind of tapping into that Inhumans show without committing to a degree that makes the show boring because our characters are still their characters, but we get this flavor in the form of a villain in his world that is kind of more like the Inhumans verse without making our characters have to like become that stale and weird because they still act like they normally do like being funny and doing cool action but then when they meet this kind of guy they react to him as they would and they're kind of like wow you're kind of serious huh (laughs) you you're very grandiose um as opposed to in humans, where you're supposed to like the grandioseness, and here they kind of give you an out to being like, yeah, it's 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 it would be weird to you to meet a person like this, mm-hmm. um, and I like that. Uh, I feel like big th- I feel like oh, the sorry. agents, because I feel like one of the reasons that they are so like chill with all of these crazy people is because they've been through so much. Oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but I also feel like one or two of them should also be like that dramatic all the time now, just because uh, bell curve. You know, everybody's kind of normal, but then you got the outliers that are just like, oh, I can't yeah. handle this. I'm going crazy. Well, I mean, it kind of has happened. Like, I mean, Fitz hasn't been happy in a while, and he believes he is cursed. <laughs> like he is, he genuinely believes it. Um, that's true. The most he said it on more than one occasion. The most science-based character believes in curses. <laughs> That's now. true. That's true. Uh, his girlfriend doesn't. Um, Fiance. That's true. That's true. Uh, do we have? Uh, uh, do we have any big thoughts? I guess. I don't have a big thought other than I don't I like do. the Whedon's writing. The fact that this episode oh. annoyed me with with stuff, and I was like, I bet this was a Whedon. It made yeah. me realize, oh, I like a lot of the stuff these guys do, but I don't like their writing style. I, I don't really either. Uh, because of the jokiness. And it's always the same kind of, like, perfect sass. It's not like human jokes. Mm-hmm. It's how people who are written to be funny joke. It's not how real people are funny. And you know, yeah, the, know. you know the issue of it that I have with it? is that any of these one-liners uh, could have been said by any character and it would have had the same amount of depth to it. Yeah. That, like, yeah. it, wasn't spe- it wasn't in a specific character's voice. It was just like, oh, this is kind of funny, I think. Yeah. Somebody say it. Yeah, except the alien guy. Like, his are just jokes about himself. Uh, yeah, I guess so. And they're just jokes about his, like, weird perspective on things. But, like, his his joke of, like, if I had a stomach now, it would surely be going crazy or whatever right, it was. Yeah. Someone else could have easily have just said, hey, if you had a stomach, it'd be going crazy right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, like, it doesn't fit any of their characters, and it's just there to be there. Uh, yeah. I think Avengers is a good movie, and I think that's, like, his writing I've liked maybe the most. What about, uh, no, that's not true. Uh, uh, Dr. Horrible, Sing Along Blog. Oh, I love Dr. Horrible, but that's so tongue-in-cheek. Okay. That's, it's I fine. Think... I guess, I guess if, you're, if you're taking some, a plot that's supposed to be serious and inserting jokes into it, which is how 
a lot of his stuff is, you know. Not, a lot of his stuff isn't pure comedy, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, Avengers isn't pure comedy. It has its inserted Whedon jokes. Um, uh, uh, Buffy. What's never, space pi- cowboy show. Um, oh, Firefly? <laughs> yeah, Firefly's probably okay, but, I mean, it's still that kind of everybody's very clever mm-hmm. thing. Although, um, in Firefly, when people say jokes, it's their character saying that joke. It, it wouldn't fit with someone else. Yeah. I, I'd had I'd forgotten about Firefly. Um, that said, though, it's still just kind of that perfect quippiness, mm-hmm. which again, I think I'm uh, I'm okay with it in Avengers. I think it's it works enough. Doctor Horrible is excellent because the whole thing is comedy and it's weird comedy, mm-hmm. and then the parts that are like very human feel very human. So I I think that show is excellent. Yeah, <laughs> but um, also they have really good actors in it, but um. Whedon isn't even in this. What are we talking about? <laughs> but yeah, but no, I that's that's actually a good point. That um, and this show does tend to. I mean, it's his his family's show, but um, when they do get funny, it tends to be in quip form. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is what. Uh, so there's some stuff in the season that I really liked, like when they're all sneaking down the hallway in a pile. Right, like the first. Like episode, that was a weird joke that I thought was really good. The first episode was like perfect if they had kept that amount of quality through throughout the rest of the season that would yeah. have been great and the kind of weird gag of the guy putting his clothes down and then throwing his skin down mm-hmm. like that was funny not again yeah it was more sight gags almost like more visual comedy yeah kind of at that point yeah more different kinds of jokes not just like funny lines mm-hmm. writers cool down <laughs> write, <laughs> write some funny ideas um Okay, my, my my big thought is is this. I'll go quick because we're going a bit over. But um, there's one thing I didn't like. No, I liked it as soon as I saw it. I had to watch it with commercials. I don't know how you watch it, but um, there's commercial breaks. So Tess is revealed to be back alive and looks like a terrible corpse. And then uh, cuts commercial. During the commercial, I was like, oh, snap. That's terrifying because like she's called a messenger from Cassius or whatever and he just like sends a rotting person down presumably the explanation for why she's actually back I hated and it is a big problem for I mean they don't they're never going to deal with it because they used it as a one liner throwaway but I think it ruins season one of the show and it was already a thing with the show that was controversial it's it's how Coulson comes back to life and that's how they explain why she's back to life. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I did not like that one bit. Um, if she had been like some weird zombie that like delivered a message and then fell down, that would have been terrifying. Uh, but no, they just use Cree blood to bring her back to life. Mm-hmm. And if that's just a thing every Cree knows how to do to just like restore human life with their own blood, that's really weird. And I don't like it. Because that's just, like, a weird out. You can just revive anybody with it now. Well, isn't that how the Inhumans were originally created? Because the Inhumans aren't humans because they have Kree DNA in them. Correct, but that's not what this is, because this is resurrection via Kree blood, which is a different thing they've only done once. I guess so, but I I, I was thinking that, like, humans were engineered by Kree, or at least modified by Kree, so I feel like if they were... If they knew enough about their uh, DNA to... I think restructure it 
I, I feel like I, I would buy it. I think it's implied that they modif- they created the Inhumans, but actual humans. Because there's that scene of like a caveman being chased by a, by some Krees back a couple seasons ago. Okay. And they're explaining where Inhumans came from. And then they like inject him with something, and then he's an Inhuman. He's like the first Inhuman or whatever. <laughs> so I think they didn't make humans, but they made the Inhumans. Which is okay. why the juice like brings... Uh, Sky back to life really kind of easily, but with Coulson they had to do like crazy brain experiments <laughs> on him and like cut his brain at the top of his head off. Uh-huh. Like it was the reason they didn't want to use it on Sky is because it was such a like grotesque and traumatizing experience for Coulson that they had to do, and it wasn't even his blood; it was like an extract of his blood because they have all the fluids that they've like siphoned out of this half corpse in that like secret bunker in season mm. one, and they take one of them that they think is the right one. Uh, so, it, I mean, it's probably just supposed to be his blood, but there's, like, a bunch of other things in there. So my assumption was, like, it's this, like, deep-down chemical that this one time has been used for this one pers- purpose. Um, and I liked it. I mean, it was already a stretch to bring Colson back to life at all. And then to do it that way, I think a lot of people didn't like it because it's such a, like, a weird solution. Hmm. Um, and in that first season, that was already kind of rocky. I don't think it was the best way to go. But they yeah. committed. So, like... Being, having it just be like common knowledge of like oh yeah our blood can just bring people back to life like then any just flip and keggle, collect every Cree body you have <laughs> because that stuff is like it's it's the fountain of youth kill every Cree we'll live forever like that sucks and no one is thinking that mm-hmm. because they literally have brought three people back to life and it's not that difficult apparently I don't know. I don't like that it's just that easy and that they just know how to do it. I like the idea that it happened once and one person figured it out and it was a terrible experience. Um, so, I like that she still looks like crap and she her, her she looks like a dead person. Right. But um, uh, but I don't like that it's that easy and I don't like that that was the solution. So do you think that Khan should have been uh, blue in the Star Trek Beyond. Because <laughs> his blood does the exact same it does. thing. Except that was like a nice, like, you just put it in his arm and you're fine. His was even more nice, which yeah. is worse. Uh, which is even more of a problem for, like, continuity of existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas making it terrible and, like, torture and Coulson screaming, just let me die, just let me die, <laughs> is, like the reason that you can get away with something that will let anybody come back to life is that it's terrible and feels like going through hell. Like, that's the one reason you might not want to do it ever mm-hmm. again. And that's the only way they got around it. And the fact that they wrote that in there is smart because they got around it the first time and I bought it. Whereas this, it's just like, oh, come on. Like, we can't just do that every time we want an actor to be alive again. With Brett um, Dalton, they at least unless, got creative. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, unless it's <laughs> Brett Dalton. Yeah, no. Um, because why is she back? She doesn't do anything this episode except to be like, no, don't do it. No, don't do it. And then no one listens to her. And then she's like, oh, you did it. <laughs> like, that's all she does. And I was like, oh, not I don't know does, why she's back. Because her death, we pro- said, was... Oh, sorry, go on. Not only does she protest against doing it, but in the end, she ends up helping with their plan after like yeah. doing nothing but say don't do it. Right, it's just because they regretted killing her or something. Um, because her death was so abrupt and shocking, we were like, dang, it was actually memorable. Whereas just like, bringing people back to life. 
that's one right i'm my deep my big thought at bolted onto this is like let people die gosh dang it like this is the problem with all of comic books not all but like marvel and the big ones marvel and dc is people just don't die so the stakes never matter it's just people writing new stories about the same things over and over again it's just piles upon piles of fan fiction at this point for things that were created like years ago and death is so you know final that that's like dramatic that's a dramatic punch uh there was a there's my thought on when i was planning what i was going to say here is um there's a scene that was in an alternate version of the incredibles where um mrs incredible slash elastigirl uh calls a pilot and then gets a plane and then she flies the plane to the island where they go there's an alternate version where the pilot flies them there then when the plane crashes he dies and then they go to the island and brad bird wanted it in the movie so that there were stakes and it felt like the villains were you know they meant something they meant they meant to kill and they were scary mm-hmm. um it got cut probably because it was too dark or whatever but he really 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 wanted that scene in there and that's just a you know a throwaway character they introduce once and then kill so they get a dramatic punch but he at least knew that like it adds something and bringing someone back to life almost never I don't know that that will never mean as much as them dying I feel like Jesus I mean Jesus is a great example but (laughs) he wrote the book um you know what I mean though like Mm -hmm. yeah no I agree like like the day the day Superman dies is way more dramatic and like means more than the day Superman's like guys I am back to life let's punch some more aliens like I don't know I'm tired of people just coming back to life all the time Uh, I've read some Hellboy I happen I haven't finished his whole run but I happen to I'm fairly certain he dies at the end Um, what's good about his whole story is that it jumps around in time so you can tell stories about him in the past and keep writing books if you want but he has an ending, and a lot of characters in his story die, who are there for whole series, and then they die. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very dramatic, and it's, well, it's a much darker story, but I don't know. I'm just tired of people coming back to life, because why are there so many numerous and apparently not too hard to find ways to resurrect people in these sci-fi universes? Uh, I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired of it. <laughs> That was such a long But these villains, these villains can't, though. Every villain just goes down at the end of their movie and never comes back. Mm-hmm. But the heroes, they never they never take much tr- trouble or damage at all. Actually, not the good villains, because Loki's died, like, three times. <laughs> That's true. That's, he's the only one they like. He's the only villain anybody, you know, has apparently invested anything in. Mm-hmm. Because he's been in, a mil- like, four movies, five movies now. How did that happen? When he was in Thor one, what when Thor one made everybody be like, yeah, that, just because he was probably like the best character in it. They knew um, when they were writing yeah. Thor one that he was going to be the bad guy in Avengers. I guess and that's so true. When, yeah. they, when they got the screenwriter, they said, okay, the rest of the movie doesn't really matter, but you have to make Loki a really good bad guy. Yeah, that's it's not a worry of mine, but like that's the thing with Thanos is they haven't they've established him in these after credit scenes and he's just like randomly after just being in two second shots he's in 
Guardians, which is weird because he's just there, and it's like, oh, okay, you're here now, and then you've gone again. But like they haven't established him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the actor who's playing him is really good, and his he seems you know intimidating. But at least Loki, they gave like something. He could, they gave him a movie to be bad in before he got to you know beat the big bad. In Guardians, that scene where uh, a blue guy is talking to him. Yeah. Rather than him floating in a chair, he should have been, like, just punching buildings down in a planet. (laughs) That would have been good. Just killing innocents. Just, like, just casually killing people while having a conversation. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because why is he... Yeah. I don't know. Again, I think it'll be fine, and I'm really excited for the movie, but at least they gave... Just thinking about it now, they gave Loki at least a shot to, like, get us to know him before we had everybody try to fight him at once. Mm Mm-hmm. Then again, he has two movies himself. He's going to have his setup movie, the first one, and then he's going to have his, you know, Infinity War 2. So I guess he is kind of getting his own first chunk, second chunk. But mm-hmm. a little odd. Unless he doesn't even show up in the first Avengers here. He just shows up at the end. He's like, hey guys, now I'm here. <laughs> All the clips in the trailer are it. Yeah. It's like Luke Skywalker in uh, <laughs> Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah. There's one shot of him in the trailer, and that's half of his shots. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Everyone yeah. would be so angry. Yeah. <laughs> he just shows up, does that speech in the trailer, and then, it's <laughs> and then the movie ends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or they pull a uh, uh, DC Universe, and they cut out, like, they cut out all of uh, half the Joker stuff that was in the trailer, and so they don't um, even have that much of him. Yeah. It's just fake uh, off-throwing. The Ragnarok trailer is weird after you've seen the movie, because there's a bunch of those scenes where the backgrounds are CGI. So the, like the scene where she breaks the hammer is in like a weird alley that might be on another planet. Hmm. Uh, like they filmed a bunch of stuff and either to throw people off or t- because they literally rewrote the movie. Like they weren't in I they weren't in um, you know Norway, they were in like a space alley <laughs> when that happened. Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, go if you watch the first trailer again a bunch of like the backgrounds and stuff are different hmm. um anywho that's all we've got time for because we went over time uh but i think that was good talk yeah thank you all for listening i've been your host tyler Zoll. you can find me on twitter at tyzops t-y-z-a-b-s and i've been will miller you can find me on twitter at willer xx miller you're no god no devil you're just a cold, sad little blue man. So let's just skip to the part where I end this. Bye! Bye. Oh, come on. That's unbelievable. What the hell? Who designed this?